When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blood and Bud podcast, the podcast that will pay more attention in future to the up to bit of the up to 10 hours of coverage that P20 Sun Lotion claims that it has after my holiday next year, last last week. Yes. So, what you, I mean, you're, for those, those who can't see uh, the, the live stream, Lee is looking... Um, Sun kissed, shall I say? Uh, yes, you know, charitably. <laughs> I would, I would get my chest out, but it would be weird. It would my be chest weird. looks like that pre-cooked crispy bacon, because of the <laughs> aforementioned P twenty bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even go I'd in the fucking find... pool. I put it on. I didn't. I thought, well, at least if I go in the pool, I understand. I'll probably, but because of that, I was, I was, I was, I wasn't my usual course yourself. Mm. Did the classic fall asleep after lunch? Woke up and was like, "Fuck me, I'm in pain." Wore a t-shirt it's, for two days. It's the sun is horrible, isn't it? Like you forget <laughs> in this country that the sun is a bastard. When it, in most other places in the world, the like you've got to take the sun very seriously. It was doubly um, bad oh, there as well because it was breezy. Because mm. it's like you know, in the Atlantic, it's oh, the so Canaries, it takes, isn't it? it so you think, the, well, I don't the, feel too yeah. hot. Like, oh yeah. Anyway, but I had a night yeah. time. I had a night time. Well, yeah, I, I had to wear a t-shirt for two days just to calm it down. Well, even my oh, wife, yeah. who's very olive-skinned, mm. fell into the P20 trap. In fact, she fucking bought it, so I'm still not really speaking to her. So, because <laughs> yeah, I'm a factor thirty man name. every hour usually. Don't fucking about. Yeah. What I got? I still tan. I don't want to get skin cancer. Let's go. Sort of thing, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel exactly. I, it's, it's. I'm not a natural tanner, but if, as you say, if I can, if I, if I factor up enough, I will eventually tan. But most of the time, it's just not worth it. Just wear a t-shirt, stay in the shade. And it was, uh, it was mostly all couples in this hotel. It wasn't an adults-only hotel because of the time of the year. It was all couples, and mm. I was probably twenty years younger than most people there. 
because mm. it was like pension essential. Apart from a Spanish family turned up, and Spanish people dote on their children, right? Yes. They, they really do. You've like won the lottery of life in Spain if you've got a kid. Mm-hmm. And they, they, this, family, this couple turned up with a two-year-old, I would say, roughly. And I don't know overuse the word, but she was a terrorist, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and I found it so... I don't, I don't want to pull you back into what you're dealing with, but I found it so deeply, deeply funny that she was just raging about everything that they tried to do or not do or anything and was completely in charge of the whole scenario. I mean, it is what they... It's what they, these people do, you know, these <laughs> these children. I mean, I, I, I literally tonight we've had like Noah's decided like Noah can make, Noah can throw up quite easily, right? And I've started to suspect that he's doing it on purpose <laughs> because he he started only like throwing up at bedtime when he doesn't want it to happen. So tonight we've had. He's thrown up three times in his crib. So that's like three full changes, three new bed sheets. And eventually he just screamed until he passed, literally just sort of went, I've, I've run out of energy now, and just sort of <laughs> and like flopped straight on the bed and went to sleep. And, yeah, it's, uh, this is this is parenthood, you know, these these little towers. And what you're learning is... Into your house. Uh, yeah, and what you're learning is you don't you don't you can't tell people this; they have to get to it themselves. You're Absolutely. learning to become a sympathy-free zone when the time yeah. is right. Hundred percent. Like there is no, like there's 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 it's going to happen regardless of what happens. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It's this is happening, and it's yeah. And honestly, they will take the piss out of you. Oh you've yeah, really? You've really oh, yeah. got to shut that shit down. Yeah, yeah. And I, I am like, my cup is empty tonight. So if I'm a little bit low energy, that's probably why. God bless you. Because right. I am, I am fucking. Tired. I'm not tired because he's sleeping well now. Oh, uh, well, like, I was going to say, I think all the listeners will like an update. Now you started yeah. sharing, I could just sit back now and make you do what I normally do. So no, yeah, you know. he's he's sleeping pretty. Like you know, we've gone, we we thought we'd gone through the sort of you know the bad stuff of it and he was you know he's getting a good like you know he's waking up maybe once in the night and then going back to sleep and he slept through until like five to, from like i do that for a week that's fine exactly that's, that's well, same. exactly me too so it's like he slept from like 7 p.m until nearly 7 a.m last night and he's been doing that the last couple of nights i feel lovely and rested it's great but yeah tonight he's decided like no i've actually decided i hate this I've put up with it for a week, but I am really gonna fucking lose my shit about it tonight. And uh so yeah, that is uh I do like the fact that he threw up three times and passed out, just preparing him for when he's a little bit older. <laughs> I was gonna say when it? he's eighteen, that's just gonna all <laughs> be weirdly familiar to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so especially... I was already last week. So yeah, go yeah. On, sorry, mate, go on. Uh, it was especially impressive because he's out. He's like stood up at his side of his crib, and so he's just like vomed both in the crib and out of the crib. And onto the floor, um, I made a good decision getting rid of the mat, the rug that we had in his room next to his crib about three months ago because we were just like, he's just going to keep being sick on this, isn't he? And the answer was yes. So, 
Yeah, you know. When Paddy it's... was very small, he spewed his cot and the old foam mattress, and Natalie had a bit of a blind Ooh. panic and ran downstairs with it because mm. it was covered in spew, mm. and like scraped the spew off, and then squirted fairy liquid at it, and then like sprayed the water at it, and of course, it's just a giant sponge, isn't it? Yeah. So well, that so well, that was just gonna, that was just foaming <laughs> for the rest of time. So we literally had to buy a new mattress. We had to put him on someone else, like make improvise one and then go out the next morning and buy a new mattress because it would have taken uh, probably about 800 cubic meters of water to get the very liquid out of that sponge. Uh, yeah, I'm quite really like, I saw this coming to an extent. So we've got like two mattress protectors, like Lovely. another mattress protector and a sheet. And so, if you get, to be honest with you, if it gets through all the four of those, then fair play to him. <laughs> You've got to take your hat off to him. You point, some, yeah. Sometimes you've just got to put, put your hands up and go fair play. And say, yeah, uh, I have been bested by superior opponents. <laughs> it's fine. I'll shake uh, your hand. Yeah. Oh, well, well I'm uh, glad he's sleeping, if nothing else. He is. Um, I mean, the thing is, he's good as gold in the day, and I love him a bit. Well, of, co- it's, well, of it's, course you do. The caveat for this is we all love him because otherwise we'd never fucking put up with it, would we? Absolutely. It's like he is a brilliant laugh up until roughly five minutes before he re- well, <laughs> the moment that he realizes it's bedtime. In fact, he'll even go to bed. Like he'll climb up the stairs right. when it's bedtime and really excited. But then the second that you actually start undressing him, it's just like, oh no. Yeah, whoa, whoa, I didn't know this was happening. <laughs> Yeah, well, I thought we were just going like, for a laugh. Almost, this is almost happening at the same time every day now. Yeah. What's your game? <laughs> I've started to notice that every time I come up here, I end I'm up in bed. I'm not bloody soft, you know. I've figured out what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so I was anyway. on last week. And yeah. I, um, I, I love people, right? I don't necessarily mm. want to speak to them, but I can listen to people. Maybe it's because mm. I, like, I like podcasts so much. I can listen to people a lot. Same. So there's people round the pool, right? And I kept mm. turning my headphones off to listen to what they were saying, even though mm-hmm. it was some of the most boring <laughs> stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. I found it unbelievably fun. There was a bloke there from down a big, big bloke with a ball there and a big beard, an Ari Davidson tattoo. He was a straight away. Yeah. I respected him, right? You know why? Yeah, yeah. I thought I liked him. Do you know why I respect him? Because he, he was he was fagging it, and he yeah. had he had the Dockers overgrip. Oh, his nice. fags. Oh, Not even sheltering from the wind. That was just the way no. he smoked fags. Was the, was the the full hand Dockers overgrip? See, that was one of my favourite ways to smoke a fag. Is that even though I've, <laughs> I've never done manual labour and I've never needed to really do it, but like I, I genuinely, I think it was because I used like. When you come of age smoking in the era where the transition between smoking ban and non-smoking ban, you kind of you've got the habit of an indoor smoker with the realities of a of having to smoke outside. So you have to spend a lot of time freezing your ass off outside smoking. And so I sort of just developed the the sort of wind blocking. And also yeah. modern modern cigarettes don't need that much protection from the wind anyway. It's like they're designed they spend a lot of money making them not blow out in the wind. But it's just it just looks cool when you're just doing that. So I straight away I was like attracted to him. Yes, I was just because of the Docker's overgrip. Hundred percent. And he yeah. had a very deep, resonant Cockney voice. Lovely. That could be heard around the pool. Mm-hmm. I, I think what I could he definitely drove a truck. Of what I could, what I could decide. I think he owned a trucking firm. He had about four trucks. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, he fucking loved trucks <laughs> and his life as a trucker. 
And I thought, you know what? This is so boring, but I am so happy for him. Because <laughs> he think? fucking loves this. If you love your job, you never work a day in your life, as they say. Honestly, I mean, God. He's delivering aggregate for HS2 now, you need to know. Oh, fair play. And he went, so yeah, we've got um, about, I mean, I'm sending 90 ton of aggregate every day. That's just me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hell of a lot of concrete to go through on HS2 now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, he, and he was a chatty bloke. So he said, oh, where are you from then? So, so, oh, I also delivered there, yeah. When I was working for um, for, um, for for Marlins, yeah. Not bad firm, man. Good firm. <laughs> And it was like, this is fucking brilliant. This is absolutely... And then he, and then he went on a whole... Got really interesting, like career, like, career histories as well. It's like they've always done mad things. They'll always <laughs> just, like, to- they'll toss in 20 minutes that they were in the Merchant Navy 15 years or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like, what? Yeah. He worked on Tilbury Docks for a while. He had, uh, oh, so yeah, I'm just coming now. Yeah, yeah. And, he, yeah, but he, and he, he said these things that were really... he Like, they were really sage. Mm. I'll give you an example. He said, yeah, yeah, it's difficult to know if you're going to arrive on time, you know what I mean, because of traffic. But um, what I've found is, right, all my experiences, it's the busiest time. You're all right to about uh, 8 a.m., and then it's fairly busy to about 9.30. Then you're all right, and then you're probably struggling for about 3.30 when the schools are coming out, you know, till around about half past six o'clock. And I was like, you mean the universally accepted rush hours of rush traffic? Hour, yeah. <laughs> he, would, he just, like when he said thought, it, like he had this special insight, yeah. but only truck drivers had. The concept of rush hour, well done. And then he went, he did a full 20 minutes on how you used to have what to sign. I mean, you used to have the old triplicate signing sheet with a load, you know. Mm. Now, all on the iPad now, which is the case. You know, they, they don't want to sign. You know, sometimes they don't want to sign. So now I don't wait, I just sign it. Bish, bash, bosh, take a photo of the load. So there it is. Off I go back. If anybody says it's not been dropped off, I say, look here. Boom. There's a photograph. Yeah, it's not your signature, but there's a photograph. They can't say nothing, then. You know what I mean? They can't say nothing. And I said, this can, I just, can I just say, I think this guy should become a permanent character on this podcast. Honest to God. He was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I loved him. And then, weirdly, he got talking to a Scouse woman who worked mm-hmm. for a haulage firm. Oh my god! And they were at it for about two hours about unreasonable <laughs> customers. Honestly, I was just—it was just wonderful. And then, and the I know, I know, I'm one to talk, right? But the things that people will share. There was this couple. I guess him were from Rochdale, something like that. And the the woman just would talk to anybody, and she was saying, "Yeah, I know. Do you know the thing is, since we've, you know, I only work. I work twelve hours, me, one day a week. That brings in about four ninety. About four ninety a month that brings in. That does me. That does me. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? But I've heard now they're bringing this thirty hours in. Because if I work more than that, that's it's not worth me time. It's not worth me time. See, so they're bringing this thirty hours in now. So I might then go up to sixteen hours a week. And you can see, you can see the people are talking to a glazing. I was thinking, when the fuck is this going to come to an end? <laughs> it's absolutely it was honest. And there was just, just so much of it. I fucking I adore this shit. I really, really do. I think that's why I work in social care. I just fucking adore <laughs> listening to people. But that that sort of like mindset of like oversharing stuff. About like about but like really mundane, like not even interesting oversharing stuff, but like <laughs> yeah. mundane. Not, this is not even an anecdote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I find those people extremely hard work. 
just I think well, it's just my dad. My dad is my dad is that guy. So uh, <laughs> my tolerance that? for it is extremely low. Like ex- on the extremely like like he will tell like ring me up and spend twenty minutes talking about how he got like a deal on a part for an <laughs> MOT exactly for right. his car. And and I'm I'm literally I'm not uh, there are times I've not even got the phone at my ear, it's just sort of on my lap and he's just talking at me and then I'll just go, Yeah. Every five or six, every sort of thirty or forty seconds, you just go, oh. and it, it requires nothing. And so, I think my tolerance of it is so low because I've had to deal with so much of it. But I, I, I understand those people vividly. My mum's friend, who sadly passed away now, Barbara, had, she had a voice like Arthur Mullard, the seventies actor. <laughs> I think she smoked a lot. Um, yeah, she'd answer the phone. <laughs> Hello. Hello, cock of your mum there. Yeah, and then, and then he'd put, he, mom, it's Barbara. He put on, and I am not joking, my mum would spend an hour and a half on the phone to Barbara doing this. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. You could literally put it on. She, she, if, if we had a loop pedal in those days, you could have just, you could have just cracked on and just, oh, you could have gone mean, on yeah, with that, the rest of her evening. That is vividly like I would say ninety percent of the phone conversations I have with my father. It's, it's, it's how long it took him to drive somewhere, uh, in detail. <laughs> Roadworks. How, how long it took to get from from Kungrach, where he lives, to their <laughs> chalet down in Carmarthen. Uh, and what the roadworks were like, what the road was like, uh, where they've been for, where they went for dinner or breakfast, and it's usually like a harvester or a brewer's fair or a sizzling, yes. and how much the breakfast yeah. cost. Yes, uh, I know what the food's the like de- there, Dad. I know what the food's like. Oh, <laughs> shit, started already. Oh, and no. the deal he got uh, because of a voucher or something, or because he, he talked nicely to a waiter. And literally, it'll be that for 45 minutes. And then right at the end of the phone conversation, you go, you all right then? And I'll go, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and, and that thing where, and then, like, where your parents go, and how, how's work going then? They're, yours will have a different accent, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you, and you start telling me, you think, you think, they are bored now, and they've mm. got no idea what I do. So I'm going to cut this really short. It's going fine. It's a bit busy. It's fine. Yeah, busy. Yeah. Fine and busy. Yeah, yeah. Those are my two <laughs> default adjectives. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So there you anyway. go. So that was that was my in between yeah. listening to the five hundred songs podcast. That was my entertainment. Coral Lake was a night. If anybody, please don't go and then hate on me. Mm. But of all the Canary Island places I've been to, if that's your thing, Coral Lake is very nice. It's like a bit of a modern resort, an old fishing village with a bit of kids. It's very nice. And um, yeah, and I went all inclusive because I thought fuck it, and I've, I had unlimited access to Fountain Pepsi Max. Oh, that's the fucking dream, isn't it? Well, it is. But listen. The problem was, and I don't know why, they'd only give you a 250 mil cup. Oh, that's just annoying. Well, yeah. Now, what happened? Uh, we love Pepsi Max, don't we? But what happens to NutraSweet drinks when you start pouring them? Oh, they get well fizzy. They over fizz, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, so you think it's... about the, the level of fizz that Pepsi Max, Fountain Pepsi Max can generate as it hits the, two, the bottom of a 250ml plastic cup. Unbelievable. You're talking you're talking a good five, six, seven, eight attempts to get the foam down. Ridiculous. To get the liquid to foam ratio right before you're done. 
However, it was unlimited access, so I could waste about as much of it as I wanted, get it sorted. So. Still, you don't want to you don't want to be the guy that races it, do you? You know. Well, it do you know? Do you know why the uh, sugar-free drinks fizz more than that? Uh... I don't, but I think I'm going to like what finding out. Um, it's because the artificial sweetener in um, in sugar-free fizzy drinks uh-huh. gives the liquid a slightly uh, higher level of viscosity than a a sugar-free drink, and therefore it is a more stable bed for the carbonated uh, the bubbles to then cause foam because it's, it's it has a more it's, it's more viscous therefore it's more kind of solid therefore the bubbles can correlate themselves more like sustainably and securely on it than they can on a sugar drink and so that is why uh sugar-free drinks are more fizzy and more foamy than than, than sugary ones because it's thinner liquid because it's not syrupy i guess Oh, it's thicker oh, liquid. That's thicker liquid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got more viscous because more of the, vis- the nature right, of the sorry, sweeter yes. makes it more viscous. So it's like therefore a more sort of solid wow. bedrock for the foam I mean, to exist on. You simply don't get this on the rugby podcasts. You don't. I it's found on, this I'm out s- the other way. Like, as a disciple of Pepsi Max, I only found this out about two weeks ago. So imagine my delight at being able to share that that particular fact literally weeks after I'd learned it. I mean, God. I thought I'd, I'd be waiting years before I'd be able to tell something. Like I'm going to go read up more about that before this cat, <laughs> after this, this is finished. But yeah. I am Lee, and I'm back off my holiday. And thank you very much for the lovely Patricia who filled in last week as as knowledgeably and amiably as she always does. She certainly does. And over there is... Uh, I'm Josh. You know that. I do know that. You can get in touch with us, me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com on the email or my DMs are open on the Twitter at Blood and Mud as well. Where, what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner. There you go. There you go. I like it, yeah. Um, we are on the Sports Social Network. We're on Apple and all that stuff from wherever you get your podcasts from. But most importantly, we are on patreon.com. And don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're going to be. So, darling, save the last slash for me. Blood and Mud, where you can come along and get extra things for £2 a a month. It's £2 a month or £20 for the year, Josh. You you struggled with that last week, didn't you? I did struggle. It it, it comes from not having bothered looking it up before we go on. And And not really listening to me for about 100 episodes that we've been doing. Yeah, I I sort of of just... just, You know when you hear something so many times, it just stops going in. That is is me. And how much our patron costs. Yes. So uh, there you go. So if you wanted to get extra episodes and not unabridged episodes each week and access to the Facebook group and all that. That's where you need to go to Indeed. do all of that stuff. Shall we begin as we always begin, Josh? Yes. With a player spotted. I feel like we should, yes. Ben Smith is right up in my DMs on the mm-hmm. Twitter to give us this. Hi, Lee, he says. I've got another entry for vintage, pun sort of intended, player spotted. Here for it. The year is 2011, mm-hmm. and some friends of mine have signed up for online wine delivery service, Naked Wines. Right. Try not to judge him, but carry on. You, well, he goes on to say, you're better off joining the Wine Society if you ask me, but that's beside the point right now, he says. <laughs> I think we had Naked Wines for a bit. 
I just don't like. I'm sorry, I don't do wine. <laughs> oh, it's as simple like, as that. I, Not even that it's a poor even, delivery mechanism. It's I just even, like, I, don't, I don't even. I don't like drinking that much. But like, I just don't get. Like, I don't mind like some wine. I don't mind champagne. I don't mind a, a rosé. But like all the other wines, well, just taste like shit to me. And the Oof. hotel I was in this week, the wine was off the fucking tap. Hello, the fucking beer pump. <laughs> you had red wine. You know it's good. Tinto, blanco, or rosado <laughs> off the off the off the old pump. So. Uh, uh, I, I don't drink, so I was just mainlining Pepsi Max all day on the coffee, yeah. and, there, and there was a decent coffee machine that was available at all hours. So that's absolutely me. perfect to me, to be honest. He says, apart from the coffee bit, because you don't like that either, do you? But um, no, I don't like anything really. <laughs> do you like cold yeah. coffee? Because you don't like hot drinks, do you? But will you do like frappuccino yeah. and all that bullshit? Yeah, it sort of just feels like wasted. I, I probably should because you know I'm so tired all the time. Like, I should get into like caffe- more caffeinated things. But I'm pretty much genuinely just happy with my Pepsi Max. Just give me Pepsi Max. That's all I want. And of course, you've got the Spain and general Europe problem now of Cola Zero is infected everywhere, but not the hotel, thankfully. God for that. You can't even get Cola Light, which is a substandard Diet Coke, but it's better than yeah. Cola Zero. But Anyway, Ben anyway. says, as being part of this Naked Wines thing, they invited me along to a tasting event being held in one of the engine sheds at Temple Meads Station in Bristol. I know it well. Did I tell you about when I was in Bristol with my daughter a few years ago and she was, she must have been about 16, mm. and she went, is that a private school? I said, no, it's Temple Mead Station. It does look like Hogwarts. I think that's what it is. It's the Harry Potter generation, isn't it? You think yeah. That's no, that's how Victorians I mean, built municipal architecture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's certainly how Isambard Kingdom Brunel decided that the world should look like, and it is <laughs> extremely fancy. Um but yeah, I've I've been to many I've been to many things in the engine shed. I used to, I used to have my work's Christmas party in there once when I worked for a different place. It was a fun fair and everything. Mad. Spot the person who anyway. doesn't work in the public sector. Everyone. <laughs> but the, the, uh, so I mean, those were, those were when times were good. Um, <laughs> yeah, not happening. They didn't last very long. Not even got an office now. Never mind their office. <laughs> yeah, days, yeah. That company also had that in that Christmas party that had like an indoor fairground and a hidden whiskey bar in the engine shed and free drinks all night. They were also raffling off, uh, like everyone that came in. There was a raffle, and the winner got five grand cash, and then. A couple of well, about six months later, they laid off half the company. So you know, it's it's. <laughs> you, you There's a lesson a in there somewhere, but we haven't got time to explore it right now. But uh, yeah, indeed. So anyway, he's in the engine sheds, mm-hmm. and he says among the people sampling the various wines on offer was a stocky gentleman I re- immediately recognised as the former Bath, Leeds, Bristol, England, and Lions hooker Mark Ronnie Regan. Yeah, he, he does get about in that part of the world. I think I said, Ben says, I think I said something really smart, like, you're Ronnie, Re- you're Mark Regan. Quite a bit of wine had been taken already at this stage, says Ben. We shook hands, had a quick chat and went our separate ways. Perhaps not truly mundane enough to be a peak player spotted entry, but there was, some, there was something pleasingly incongruous about a former front rower extolling the virtues of a pickpool de pine. <laughs> Uh, I went to a cider festival in that uh, 
in that engine shed once as well. Was it that it was like flat warm side of the have down to the south? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I, I didn't enjoy the experience. Like a, a can of strongbows been left open in the sun for an hour, and somehow I'm meant yeah. to believe this but is good. But it's like seventeen percent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm bladdered. My teeth are furry, and I didn't enjoy a single bit of that. Yeah, it was exactly like that. But you sort of you pay for it in tokens. For some reason, that's a good time. Um... <laughs> I went to a, a food festival in Edinburgh, the Taste mm. Festival. It was called. It was it was all very very. So a lot of like the nice restaurants from Edinburgh, had, like pop ups and stuff, and the wine merchants. And it was one of those ones where you couldn't have cash; you had to go and buy festival tokens, tokens to pay with. They were shit. called crowns or something. Yeah, it's great. It's contactless, isn't it? That's well fucked off. But um. I know. So basically, we had to pay with these crowns, and everyone was giving you like plastic mm. places of. And there was this French wine guy there. I was still drinking then, and he's there. He's polishing up. He's got proper glasses for a start. He's polishing up everything. I went over and I said, "Can I have one? Of, you know, one, one each of these?" And he said, "Which one would you?" I said, "I don't know. You tell me." So he pours it, and I said, "How, how many of these is it?" He says, "It is ten pounds." And I said, "Don't." I said, "Don't we pay with these?" And he went, "That is monkey money." <laughs> the French guy was having Perfect. none of that shit. He's like, I "Yeah, I'm it. coming, but I'm being paid in cash. You can fuck off." Because I'm assuming taking... there's probably some top slicing on the yeah, you're not slicing off. anything off my Fuck fucking. That. Get the fuck away from me! Yeah. Oh, oh, point of order here. Uh, friend of the pod, Adam Reese, who uh, confirms we used to also work a future like me. That was a great Christmas party. It was a, it was a great Christmas party. I got absolutely cunted that night. Um... <laughs> Why it's probably the primary reason you don't drink now much. Uh, but he says uh, only the people who got paid lows won the raffle. Point of order, Rob Lang won the raffle uh, that year, who was not paid loads and went, and as an, an, a, a, a passionate lover of all things grunge, went, oh my God, I've won. And then went, I'm going to go to Seattle. And it was like... <laughs> And, but then, literally thirty seconds later, you went, "Oh, but but the house needs new windows." Oh, and so for literally thirty, literally for thirty seconds, he thought he was going to go <laughs> on his dream holiday to Seattle to visit all of his grunge things, and then thirty <laughs> seconds later, reality just smashed him in the face, and he had to buy new PVC windows for a house he doesn't even live in anymore. <laughs> oh God, it life shit, eh? Whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, Ben, thank you. Mark Regan Indeed. in 2011, extolling the virtues of pick pool de penne. I don't know what that is, but uh, one of the best Mark... things about not drinking, right, is that I don't have mm. to pretend to know anything about this shit no more. <laughs> so sometimes I go in to buy my wife a nice bottle of wine and they go, do, do you want? I said, oh, no, I don't drink. I've got no idea. And they're completely <laughs> stumped by that. So you just tell me what's going on, I'll buy it. Because you get kind of trapped into feeling you have to know something, don't you? Yeah. It's like stuff. coffee. It's like coffee. It's like I. Even it's I like everything. Coffee, everything has I been quantified yeah. in the modern world. They've even it's, done it to lager. They have actually. Yeah. It's like you've got to know about your beer and you've got to know about your hops. It's like fuck off. Can I not just drink? Do you, do you remember when Viz had that comic strip called Real Ale Twats and they were all laughed at? Yeah. You yes. always end up in the wrong pub in Newcastle and get battered for asking for like some really complex tasting notes on a hand-pulled ale. And they were like literally figures of comedy. That's the entire drinking public now. Yeah, no, every, everyone is like that now. It's mental. And all, yet... the, I, 
Yeah, I, I am absolutely, you know, when I go out, I will absolutely be a fucking... <laughs> you will rinse it. Good for you. I will be a craft beer wanker. I do love it. They're very rare now. They're very rare, but you do sometimes still get a pub that's still just got Stella and Foster's on tap and John Smith Smooth (laughs) and stuff. It's very rare, but you do find them still. I like so it's because all of the like craft breweries have been bought out by like all the the mega breweries. So like everywhere now has Brewdog or fucking Beavertown or something like that. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, the, like the time when you could, all your options were Foster's, Carling, uh, Worthington. You a, yeah, you had a weak one or a strong one option <laughs> yeah. in the lager, didn't yeah. you? Stella Artois and, and Guinness. And those were your options. And Guinness cold revolutionized things a little bit, didn't it? When that <laughs> came along. See, I just walk into that sort of pub now and just be like, yeah, I, I can, I'll, I'll have a Foster's top. I'll relive my, <laughs> yes! my youth. Foster's top. <laughs> It's the only way to make it drinkable, man. Bitter top, the perfect drink for a summer's day. Yeah. Anyway, oh, thank anyway. you for that, Ben, and thank you Indeed. for Mark Regan. Although um, we, had a, we had a good old laugh at Mark Regan on the uh, on the Squidge podcast, didn't we? When we, we, did, we me yeah. and Josh invited on to do South Africa versus England for two thousand and seven. Yes, the one that England lost thirty six nil. Didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> Which just tells you how bad a game it was. So such a bad game. <laughs> Kerry Jones says, I'm a craft beer wanker. Like, yes, Kerry, absolutely. Everyone, Everyone should own it. Do yeah. whatever makes you happy. Yeah. It is just Completely. funny how, like, back in... I remember when I went to university, we the like university beer festival was, like, men in waistcoats and beards with, like... <laughs> Like trilogies. whiskey festivals are like that as well. They, yeah, they exactly. become trendy and all. And and now it's like untapped has made everyone like it's cool to be a, a, a an everything wank, and it's great in a way because it's like everybody's like encouraged to be their own kind of nerd, I guess. And homebrews uh, become a you know a viable business for people now, yeah. Yeah. rather than something you made your neighbours drink then they threw up, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and you went, this one's all right. I I mean, I did shit myself after the first one. But... <laughs> Can I have a pint of liquid shit, please? I mean, sorry, your home brew. Thank you. Um... Uh... Anyway, there you go. So that mm-hmm. is the player spotted. If you want to get in touch mm-hmm. with us and send a lovely player spotted like Ben does to send us on many tangents and moans, then you can do that um, at Blood and Mud on the Twitter Mm-hmm. My DMs are open or leeupbloodandmud.com or you can use the Patreon messaging service as okay. I know many people do regularly. Do. Um, I don't know if Davey Mill is listening, by the way. He contacted me this week about some membership issues. I did try and get back to you, Dave. I just need something clarifying before I think I can resolve it for you. But just, uh, just check your messages and, I'll, and I should be able to sort it. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hockey. I like it. Is it news time? I think it is probably news time, isn't it? Big news this week. Yeah, loads of news. Bloody news coming out of our ears. You start us off, Josh. Um, Stuart Hogg's going to retire after the World Cup. Which yes, he's only thirty, and he'll only be thirty-one. He'll be thirty-one uh, come then, won't he? Yeah, but he's been—he has been like it, it feels like, and it is young. It is very young for him. But it's like he's been playing pro rugby for thirteen years. He made his Glasgow debut in two thousand and ten. So, you know, he's got hundred caps for his country. He's been on three Lions tours. He's won the Irk. He's won the Prem. He's won the Champions Cup. It's like. He's not going to be around in four years' time. Well, he might, I suppose he could still be playing at thirty-five, but like he was, he had to put up with. I think Cammy of uh, Scottish Rugby Podcast pointed out that like he has been like when Scotland was shit and they didn't have any good players, he he was like the person that had to deal with all of the expectation, all of the hype, all of the criticism, and you know some of it is perfectly valid. But like, he's been in certainly in the first like five or six years of his career when he was like the one bright spark. You know, he was literally the only Scottish player getting picked for the Lions because mm. all the rest of them were shit. And then unfortunately, kept getting injured the post sod. And then kept getting, yeah, but like it, it was like he was like the he's had to deal with not you know there's obviously a lot of mileage on his legs as a as a player for the sheer amount of games that he's played for his country, for his club and everywhere else. But like, just like you do get, you know, the way that he gets chippy on Instagram about stuff (laughs) all the time speaks to a man that does not necessarily deal with the glare of publicity all that well, despite having done it for a very long time. And he's probably just fucking sick of it. And like, what else has he got left to prove? Uh, you know, he's got his Lions test caps. He's got 100 caps for Scotland. He's won all everything he could win at domestic level. You know? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And I think... Um, and also there's a point at which we all get fed up with our jobs, don't we, at times? Mm. Big time. And um, I think, especially when it's as physically demanding as that, I think there's the could just be very, very serious. It's like, I've just had enough. I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. One, I've, I'm getting more pain and I'm thinking about that. And actually, like you say, it's 13 years of, you know, the training sessions, yes, you can run different drills, but they must be broadly the same a lot of yeah. the time. I mean, you, you, you train to play at the weekend, of course, but even then probably the travel starts to get you down. You've got a young family. It's the most rational thing in the world, really. I know a lot of people yeah. look at it and say, oh, well, I'd never give it up. You probably would because everything yeah, becomes a routine. Job. You know, what I said earlier about the whole, like, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life thing, that is bollocks. <laughs> like, yes. I, I I love what I do. Like, my, my hobby is effectively my job. And there are a lot of times where I fucking hate it and I wish I was doing anything else than writing about fucking guitars for a living. But most of the time, it's great. But like, you know, I've been doing that for thirteen years. Like it, 
if you suddenly said to me, well, you know, you can just sort of, you've probably made enough money now. You can just focus on your other, you know, doing this for a living for a while as your side, as your side business, because you kind of, you've made your money. I'd probably seriously consider that. And like for him, he's like, he's got other business ventures. He says that he wants to focus on. It's like, well, I mean, if you want to do that, then fair play. To go back to him as a player for a minute, I think it is easy to forget because how good he was became just kind of taken for granted in some way. Very good, and yeah. Then, and then he did, he does have a tendency to overplay, mm. but I suppose you would, wouldn't you, when you came through, when he came through. Um, yeah. But it is easy to forget just how properly, wonderfully excited he was when he came through. It was genuinely the kind of rugby player you want to watch playing rugby, wasn't he? We yeah. Can, and still is, really. It's just it's just that it's, we're used to it now. Yeah, and it's like it's it, him and Finn Russell are, you know, the comfortably the two most talented Scottish players of their generation. But like Hogg came through much earlier, you know. Finn wasn't playing for you know Finn was fucking make, doing dry stone walling when <laughs> Hogg was playing for Glasgow and playing for Scotland, and so like. He's had like whereas and also Finn is obviously just the character that just fucking adores the limelight in every way, shape and form. And so he he clearly whereas Hogg, you know, you, you get the feeling that he probably would just like to be left alone <laughs> to do his own thing and not you know and yeah. and not have everything that he does criticized to the level. I think that things are getting to him, aren't they? Is. He yeah, obviously and... can't stop himself looking. Yeah, and he probably thinks I'm knackered. I've been doing mm. this for ages, and I I can't stop myself reading this shit, and it makes me feel a bit crap. You know what I mean? So, and and that's yeah. it's never going to go away. That stuff is it. So you got to you got to find a way to accommodate or step away and from it. And, and it's the, it's the flashpoint of he because he has been Scotland's sort of best player for so long. Like he inevitably attracts more criticism and more indeed. And more like, like sort of scrutiny than other players. It's the um, it's the Wayne Rooney problem. <laughs> it is because yeah. Wayne Rooney came through at eighteen and went, "You're going to be the best player in the world ever." And somehow mm. all he did was become one of the best players of the last ten years in Europe. Somehow he was held responsible for not fulfilling the promise that people invented in their own heads. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, it's a you were not Messi, Pele and Maradona. Yeah. I decided this one. is what you were going to do and then you didn't. Yeah. So you're a failure. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, by the way, he's, it, he's, he's, he's nobody's described Stuart Hogg as a failure, by the way, but you see what no, I'm saying. No, exactly. But it, it is that sort of thing of just like, he is not, you know, uni- he hasn't universally been regarded as the best fullback in the world for his entire career. And therefore, that is somehow used as a stick to beat him with when, you know, there were periods where he was the best fullback in the world. He was certainly the best fullback in Europe. And he, you know, and you see it like he had his summer off. And I think that probably, I wonder if that probably helped mm. when Scotland, he had a, a summer away from being constant, like probably for the first time in his career, a summer away where he wasn't injured and rehabbing and he could just let somebody else deal with all that shit and <laughs> let them have a go at Blair Kinghorn for a fucking four weeks. And... Not injured. I've got a summer off. Yeah. I'm no longer bald. My teeth <laughs> yeah. look belted. I feel yeah. really happy with my life. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I go on Instagram and people are having a go at my fucking plugs and my fake teeth. <laughs> people when like really... us, but you know. Yeah. 
I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying we're blame, blameless. Oh, no, not so. No. No. But like, it is just, you know, you can understand that like, and you saw it like, he is always the first one to get criticism when Scotland lose. Like, invariably. Because I think, because he tries so hard, as you say, it probably, he learned to try too hard because of how he had to sort of fit him everything in the start of his career. Yeah. Like, it stands out more when he fucking throws a bad pass or when he overruns something or whatever, and and people just savage him for it. And it's not. I think really it's why Kinghorn looks a bit better now because Kinghorn mm. is this more. I'll just time it when I need to, and I don't have to do too much, and nobody will think anything of me for not doing too much. You know, for for under for underworking or whatever. Yeah, and I wonder if that's part of it as well. You can see that Blake Kinghorn's coming through, and is is going to be Scotland's. You know, likely full back for the next you know, five or six years, easy. Mm. Um, the next World Cup cycle, certainly. Yeah. Certainly, next World Cup cycle. And he just thinks, well, this is the last World Cup where I'm going to probably be a guaranteed starter. So, you know, go on. And like, very few players get to, you know, go out on their own terms. It's either injury or it's, you know, you get dropped or whatever. So if he, you know, very for all that he's done for Scottish rugby over the last decade, if he wants to go out on his own terms, probably a little bit earlier than he could have. Um, fair play to him, I say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the last word on this, I think I'll say to uh, David McIntosh, listener who DM'd about this. He said, um, and it's I'll read this. It's quite a long message, but I'll, I'll read it because I think it kind of sums it all. It's linked, linked a little bit to what um, Cammy Black was saying earlier. He says. David says, I find myself pathetically emotional at the news that Stuart Hogg is retiring. I don't think anyone who isn't a Scotland fan can truly appreciate how important Stuart Hogg has been to us. Because until you've tried to support a team for upwards of a decade, which is almost entirely devoid of any quality or X factor, until your main hope of a try was until your main hope of a try has revolved around Sean Lamont, Simon Webster, Graham Morrison, or Nick fucking DeLuca running brainless lumpen lines at far superior opposition for three World Cup cycles until your only chance of a win is dragging the opposition down to your joyless dirge and hoping Dan Parks will kick one more penalty than their guy. You can't really appreciate the level of excitement we felt when Hogg came on as a substitute against Wales in 2012 and immediately started doing things we hadn't seen in a Scotland shirt since they started making them out of polyester. Mm. Scotland fans are fond of saying that it's the hope that kills you, but it's killed me for far. It's killed me far more watching boring shit rugby for years on end, and the absolute certain knowledge that nothing good could happen. So I, I'm so uh, David says I'm saying good. It's Stuart Hogg. He obviously isn't a perfect player, but he was absolutely the player we needed, and one that has done special things for us for over a decade. You know, it kind of sums it up, really, doesn't it? I think, yeah, and I think he, on Scotland, looking in, I could see, I, I could see that. Mm. Okay. So all the best to you, Stuart. Whatever you do in retirement, whether you're opening a hair salon or what, but that's a, that's that's what a yeah. He can go down the Xavier, he can go down the Rushy route and open up his own uh, sort of hair <laughs> hair replacement clinic. Anna S says nobody should have to rely on Dan Parks ever. No, As you've well, Cardiff signed him Anna off the back of that one half of a season when he looked after decent. Real funny. <laughs> Right, so in other news, speaking of retirements, mm. the mm. WIU have decided to retire half of their board-level eggs in the nest this week. Yes. It would seem. 
Yeah, I mean, it's obviously everyone knows now that they've over, they they overwhelmingly voted to reform the government. So they, and like we've often remarked on this podcast, right, and, and indeed elsewhere, like to, that trying to convince the various member clubs and their district reps to vote for governance changes that would reduce their power in any meaningful way would be Turkey's voting for Christmas stuff and would never happen, and. I mean, in, in the last, what's happened? Like the last two times it's tried, like cost Martin Phillips his job as WIU CEO when he tried it a couple of years ago because they just went fuck you. Um, they turned, they said, yeah, they they turned around and said fuck you, uh, Steve Phillips and Yian Evans in November when they tried to push it through again, and they were much less severe, like suggestion. They were much more sort of <laughs> softly, softly motions that they kind of battered back than the ones that actually passed yesterday, and like. Shame is a remarkable motivator, <laughs> in, and and then and it's an important like unlike previous attempts to sort of dilute their power, which were like purely political. These ones had like this element of public shame associated with it. Like Henry Engelhart, the admiral guy, who I I've read an interview with him this week, and I'm extremely impressed with him as a guy who kind of clearly understands how to manipulate people. On a, <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't get to be sort of head of a massive company without being a, a skilled manipulator of people. But you know, he basically said, like, if you don't, if the clubs don't vote with us, then they will be saying that Welsh rugby and Wales in general is is for sexism and for misogyny <laughs> and and general bigotry, and, and and he makes it a moral issue instead of a political one. Then and then you're <laughs> fucked because like. What do you you know? If you were the guy that vote, those seven clubs that voted against it basically voted for carrying on sexism. Anybody who doesn't vote for this is basically saying they want their family to be eaten by werewolves. Is that what you want? Eaten by <laughs> it's, werewolves? It's really, stuff. it's really. And there was there was something else that he said in it that I thought was very smart. So he's been speaking to the clubs, and he was just like, "You all sort of vote that that sort of like when you when we send out your like satisfaction surveys." you rate the governance of the WRU as 2 out of 10 regarding community rugby and grassroots rugby. So why are you continuing to vote for the same system when you hate it and you don't think it's working? It's mental. And, I mean, the cynical other side of it, of course, is that like there was a very real and existential threat to the aforementioned gravy train that the Blazers love so much. Like, you know, a, a brand so toxic that there was a real risk that if they voted against it, that Principality and and Kazoo and various other big-name corporate sponsors were going to just walk. And Kazoo and will is... sponsor anything. How ba- I mean, literally, how bad anything. have you got to be not to, for Kazoo <laughs> to stick the name on you? Indeed. And so, you know, it was that two-handed thing of, like, shame on the one hand and the very real threat of losing everything that you've sort of schemed your way to getting as a sort of district rep or a blade, you know, all those jollies to, you know, those three away trips every year in the six nations, that big trip away on tour in the summer world cups every four years, you know, you've got to do a lot of political schmoozing to get yourself up to district rep level and get, get those kind of get on that gravy train. And to the, the threat of losing it was clearly enough that they were just like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll vote for it. And also, actually thinking about it, I don't think that we should disregard the role of friend of the pod, Paul Williams, in all this either, because he's been quite instrumental in kind of getting clubs to publicly commit. publicly asking them, hasn't he? How they're voting. And he, 
you know, he and again, it's the it's the shame thing. Once clubs started coming out and saying to Paul, "Yep, yeah, we're going to vote for the changes," then it put massive pressure on the ones. Even fucking Ponty backed it publicly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Twenty four hours later, they were launching a scathing attack on the WRU's plans to revamp the sub regional structure of rugby in Wales. But that's just Ponty. That's what they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> they can't help themselves. But when it mattered, you know, they they. That even they were too embarrassed to vote against it, and you know it's it's the most important bit of reform the WR has seen probably since professionalism. So just so I'm clear, then, so mm. they're halving the number of community reps on the board, yeah, and they're doubling the number of INEDs, aren't they? The non-executive yes. directors, and then and having an independent. They're also CEO. yeah, they're also having a representative for the women's game on the board as well, right, uh, and. Yeah. So effectively, what that means is is that the community club teams won't have the the voting majority on the board because I got a bit confused yeah. the non executive director bit because usually they yeah. don't get voting rights, you see, in decisions. So I'm assuming that they will do here. I think yeah, they have voting rights. Also, the WRU can appoint a CEO now as opposed to previously where voted. It was voted, um, and the chairman of the board as well. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. So basically, the the club community no longer have a simple majority. Um, you do have to wonder what they've been offered. <clears throat> hey, you oh, do have yeah. to wonder what they've been offered or what they've been yeah. guaranteed. I think your point is about the gravy train. Is that look, you know, nothing's going away. At least, yeah, for nobody's going to nobody's going to try and still get to do off. that. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to try and get rid of the district reps. We're just gonna. <laughs> But I, I not, I'm, I'm sure they've been offered a lot in terms of just like, look, if we make more money, you'll get more money. Isn't it time yeah. to turn it over to professionals? I think it probably but is I a combination don't... of we won't take this away from you or we'll offer you this and that whole point of you're basically going to vote for sexism and yeah. going to look like Fear. fucking stupid, basically. Fear will keep the yeah. local systems in line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, under, it's, it's completely... A, a huge, unprecedented change to the you know the, the WRU has been governed in the way that it's been governed since you know 1863 or whenever the fuck the WRU came along, and you know now it's it's there's an opportunity to bring professional people in to the and executive you know, this, decision making yes. yeah and like there's talk you know Amanda Blank who obviously kind of we now know left the WRU. You know, in a under a cloud with a scathing resignation letter that pointed fingers at various members of the WRU board for being massive sexists. There is Nigel Walker sort of intimated that they would be very interested in her coming back as the new CEO, um, which would be massive. You know, a start as a woman being the CEO of a major rugby union in the Northern Hemisphere has not really happened. Um, and also, she's clearly extremely capable and understands Welsh rugby and understood it enough to kind of get really fucked off about it, which is usually a good sign. Um, and yeah, you know, half the board is now going to have to be women by the end of, of 2023, which is going to mean that some of those district reps are going to have to be replaced by, you know, competent, capable women, unless yeah. all the... Unless all the ineds become a women, which will create a really weird vibe in the WIU board, which I think <laughs> they probably want to avoid. Um, and it, I think it deserves, it deserves mentioning, really, that none of like this is all inadvertent consequences 
Like when those like brave men and women who stood up to speak to that BBC investigation were calling out the WRU's culture, you know, and basically exposing the WRU's culture for what it is. They weren't doing that to try and maneuver, <laughs> you know, dramatic governance reform of the WRU that's long overdue. This has like purely been a sort of like an unintended positive consequence as a result yeah. of the massive something repetition. must be done. Yes, yeah, they were just doing it because it was the right thing to do, and they wanted the people responsible to be held yeah, accountable for their actions. And I hope that still happens. By this, the way, I really hope that investigation that's this, coming this changing governance is, is similar to uh, your son falling asleep. It's the yes. unintended consequences of spewing up violently publicly yeah. three times. Yeah. Then you fall asleep. And, scre and screaming for half an hour. Eventually you fall asleep. It, it might That's what these governance changes are. They're in yeah. public. They're where you basically spewed up and screamed <laughs> in public with stuff that nobody wanted to see or hear and then yeah. fell asleep. And this is what it is, yeah. But no, it, it, it's mad. It's like they might well have saved Welsh rugby from itself entirely because they just couldn't stand being quiet about rampant fucking sexism and bigotry in their workplace and and you know all of Welsh rugby owes them a debt and I really hope that this you know the forthcoming investigation gives them the fucking justice that they deserved because this you know this isn't the end of it this isn't what they wanted you know yeah. they want the people who are fucking responsible for this shit to be held for to account and that is TBC still so there you go we'll see what comes see what well it'd be interesting to see what Changes are made, won't it? Because changing the governance is there's, there's not a huge amount of outcome here, is there yet? It's just a change in the governance. So we'll see what the outcomes. No, like indeed, you said the about outcome could literally account, be anything. What do the business mean? What, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we'll see. Um, speaking of a, an outcome that we do know, which we could have mm. been predicted, is that Johnny Sexton looks like he's out for the rest of the season. <laughs> a very convenient injury for Ireland. Injured, yeah, he says. Do it. I'm doing the italics, everyone. He's injured. <laughs> Please don't make us have to. I mean, it's bad. If it's bad news for Leinster, yes. In a in a sort of you know, it's the closest thing they can have to a like a, a, a significant injury loss. You know, yes. it's like it's the one it's the one player, one position where they don't have a it's sort the of European you know, Cup resting on Ross Burns' shoulders. Yeah, which is not you know as it's not as dead set a thing. No. <laughs> As it would have been with Sexton there, um, but for Ireland and ultimately, you know, this is all that he probably can. You know, he's won the fucking Heineken Cup. He doesn't care. He wants to be fit and ready and firing for and rested for the World Cup, so they can get you know seven games out of him. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's we're planning it's... for seven games. Shut up! You're just tempting fate. <laughs> Stop saying it. Out it's like all they've got to do is get him to the to the World Cup final, and then see what happens. And yeah, you know, and everything else this year doesn't really matter. So, any more news from you? Uh, yes, um, Brad Shields has signed for the Hurricanes again. Um, sort of bringing to a conclusion. Where's he been? Has he still uh, been a while? I've, I've not paid a huge amount of attention. I think he signed for Zebra briefly. Right. Um, which is, I mean... Matt Kvesic's at Zebra. I know he's... He, no, Matt Kvesic's at Zebra. Uh, Brad Shields went to Perpignan. 
right. not using the top floor team. Um, yeah, and now it's, it's, it's easy to forget that just a few short years ago, New Zealand rugby was ready to go to court to stop Brad Shields leaving the Hurricanes <laughs> early so they could play for England. And now here he is, five years and nine caps later, back where it all was. It what a waste of time for everyone. He could have got nine caps for the All Blacks if he just stayed there, you know. Yeah, it's was got, it worth yeah. it, Brad? <laughs> Another sort of well, not not so much changing country. You changing... made don't get me wrong. You made much more money. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. England, out of <laughs> wasps in England than he would have done out of staying in New Zealand. But you know, I'd love to see Brad Shield on the wasp balance sheet when the receivers were going through it. <laughs> um, How much? <laughs> yeah, he's, who this is Brad Shields? I'm he doesn't even start with what he's your third best open side flanker. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of big money moves for people who you maybe don't really need. <laughs> yeah. The, the ARU are, are at it again. I see. With, with an outside back. Yep. Yeah. Joseph uh, Suali, uh, Rooster's sensation, uh, teenager, crossed play for the Wallabies and the Waratahs from 2024 onwards. Um, mass, you know, massive coup for. I was watching a report on uh, on Australian TV and it was just like, well, Sydney Roosters generally don't... This does not happen to the Roosters as a rule because they're rich as fuck, so they don't usually get outbid by people. But also, they're not stupid either. And when no. you've got a lad who's talented, whose mm. heart might be in rugby union, actually, because he played it as a kid, and he's got less than 50 top-level appearances... And mm. somebody's offering a fucking stupid amount of money. Two million Aussie dollars a year is you the know, quoted figure. Plus some transfer money, probably. You're gonna mm. go, you're gonna go, yeah, go on. I'm not matching that. And yeah, give us some money. Because I'm not being funny. We don't really <laughs> struggle for top level wingers at the RRL. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's, they're sour about it now because he's a, a, clearly a massive talent. But like, you know, Australia like A, Australia want to give Eddie Jones anything that he wants right now. Um, Eddie doesn't want what they actually need is the other interesting point because they need halfbacks is what they need (laughs) another winger Um, but yeah it's 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 fascinating that you know he's they want to make a big splash because they've got a Lions tour and they've got a World Cup at home Oh, it'll be box office. That's not. He's going to be. He's going to be. You know. Yeah. He's. I'm sure he's going to be excellent. I mean, it's clearly the biggest sort of coup of Australia in terms of signing that Australian rugby has done since Falau came over. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's of Takiri Falau dimensions, isn't it? It is, and you know, it's it's easy to forget that before he became a mass and revealed himself to be a massive cunt like. <laughs> Israel Falau did become rapidly one of the very best players in the world. A ridiculous athlete by any and, and astonishingly, you know, particularly when he was in his pomp of playing fullback, he was a, a best, you know, arguably the best fullback in the world. And you know, it's at least they're not playing and bringing him over and trying to make him play in the midfield because that seems to be the kryptonite for rugby guys, <laughs> as Roger Tuivasa-Shek and Sam Burgess can probably testify. But like, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, it's it's always funny Matt Rogers did all right. They brought Mike yeah, Rogers across and stuck him in the centres. He did all right. It's always funny when Australian rugby goes a bit mad 
and gets a little bit carried away. So I'm all for it. And they've but, got no yeah. money. See, they're constantly yeah. talking about to reform the entire game in the Southern Hemisphere because they're so skint. Because no we fuckers can watching. Pay, we then, can pay this guy two million quid a year or two million dollars a year. Yeah. So anyway, that was that. Any more news before you bring this to a close? Um, no, I think that's it, actually. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So that's the end of the weekend. Mm. And we now move on to uh, the shit good racing, shall we? I think we should, yeah. What have you got that's shit? Um... The fact that BBC put on no like studio production or halftime analysis or anything for Italy France, and we just had to watch silent highlights for ten minutes, and and just the general shunting of anything that wasn't an England game onto the red button and the iPlayer. To be honest, like I get there's a lot of sport on at the moment, but the BBC spent multiple hours showing posh people rowing boats. Oh. Brilliant. On BBC One on Sunday afternoon. Could, Nothing gets like, my class war up like that fucking thing being on telly. Same. same. <laughs> like, could they not have just sunk those boats before it started and <laughs> and spent like 5% of the outside broadcast budget on just having a studio performance with like a studio broadcast with, you know, like a presenter and like two fucking pundits? Because it, it, it does just feel really like tokenistic it's like the bbc has these rights it's, it, they have a duty it's all they've opinion. got left well exactly it's like you haven't got much sport left and it's the same with how they treat the premier 15s it's like if you make a big deal of this people will start thinking it's a big deal like the when you did with foot, women's football like putting it on bbc one and making a big song and dance about it all of a sudden people think it's a big fucking song and dance and they realize how good it is they could do the same thing with women's rugby, but they're not at the moment. It's shit. Yeah. Because surely the only people watching that are people who are dead into rowing, of which <laughs> there's probably a few, but not that yeah. many. And people who went to those universities, because there's absolutely zero emotional investments in it in any other way, isn't it? Well, exactly. You're not, um, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get a plaster from Leads, are you sort of said, Oh, yeah, I always I always like foot support. Cambridge me. But it's one of those things, isn't it? That like because it was a um a sort of staple of British TV. British sporting. But it's like it's the so is it like the British sporting calendar? Is it the British social calendar? So what annoys me Mm. about horse racing Mm. a lot? Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, is this really 
it's because it's really about a sort of ages old social calendar, basically, I think, mm. as opposed to sports. But yeah. Uh, mm. Anyway, we could go yeah. on and it'll take it'll last a long time. So I'll leave that's it. That's not. Other shits here. Stu Clark gets in touch. She said, shit, I've had a lot like this. I've just picked one here. Shit is Hogg announcing his retirement after the World Cup. Disappointed he never got his Six Nations win, but glad that he can retire with his health and on his own terms. Yes, I think, and that's been Indeed. shared by lots of, well, us and lots of submissions as well. Andy Payne says, shit is Gloucester's accuracy in attack, which is about as clinical as a surgeon who is drunk and blindfolded wearing mittens. Yes. Yeah, that was a particularly at the end of that game on Friday night when. Oh, it, it all it all very much came was... to Gloucester, didn't it? <laughs> it was extremely Gloucester by the end of it. Yeah, and fair, but fair for Newcastle actually for pulling that one yeah. out. Yeah, indeed. Colin McBride says shit is the Stormers' backline dealing with Leinster's kicking game in the second half. It was comically bad. It was, yeah. Have you got any more shit? Uh, no. Not had many this week. I was in a good mood. Yeah, funny that, no. Good. I've got Gareth Anscombe getting Jacko told on Twitter, which I saw literally before I came on here. Genuinely very funny. (laughs) Not a single part of this is true. (laughs) So Jacko's saying that he's about to sign a contract that's six figures worse than... Well, he's basically saying they've been offered a a contract that's 100 grand less than what he's currently on. And... Uh, and he's going to France or Japan, basically. And Anskim said, "Not a single part of this is true." <laughs> on Twitter, and Jack and said, tagged him into it as well. Not according to my sources. To which Anskim then replied, "We'll tell your sources to show you the contract then," <laughs> which is magnificent. It's really funny, and I especially like sort of. Like, because obviously Gareth Anscombe owns this. Um, you know, he's 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 fancying himself a media baron now because he's all oh, right. Started, okay, he started this magazine, Sport in Wales, which oh. as a as a you know, it's 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 bold to sort of make the leap into print in twenty twenty three as a as a as a, as a thirteen year magazine journalist. I say that as a magazine punchy. man. Um, how is it as a magazine? Leave aside the poor decision, but to to quote Jose Mourinho, I cannot speak. If I speak, <laughs> I get in trouble. Um, <laughs> let's just say that uh, from a mag- from a magazine editor's perspective, it it lacks something in craft. It makes it well. It lacks in craft. I will say it makes up for in access because obviously it has Gareth Anscombe's uh, and Alex Cuthbert's sporting kind of connections to draw on, and you know, for their first issue, they had like Shane Williams and James Hook and Lee Byrne on the cover. The second issue, they've had uh, Rob Page on the front of the magazine. Um, right. It desperately, it desperately needed, could do with somebody that's edited a magazine in their lives to just do things <laughs> like cover lines and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, it's it's fine, I'm sure. Um, but it is funny that obviously Anscombe sort of fancies himself a media baron now, and so kind of he's he's empowered to therefore call out what he perceives as bad Welsh rugby journalism. Which, if that becomes a sort of regular thing, I'm really going to enjoy. Especially I'm more powerful. To well, exactly. Who I I don't dislike. It's just 
It's just funny. This being directed at him. Well, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, well, Jacko, the thing about Jacko is that he's one of these kind of you know he's been around for so long that he kind of doesn't really understand the um the sort of the the the, dia- the dialogue and the power of a modern player to just kind of basically set the record straight. And yeah, when they brought him on Scrum Five a few years ago to try and break up the cozy club, and he was he was sat there in a pair of Farrah slacks and proper uncle at a wedding black slip on shoes. Yes, he's just being really grumpy about everything. Oh, he's a breath of fresh air. He's telling it like he is. No, nah, he's just kind of grumpy and <laughs> arguing with everybody. It was funny for a couple of weeks. <laughs> anyway, what have you got as good? Uh, uh, Cecilia Tupelotu, mate. Oh, oh yes. If that's what her first start at tight head is like. Imagine what she'd be like when she's got ten or twenty under there. You, you like she's raw as fuck, obviously. Yes, but, but frightening. You yeah, cannot coach that power, <laughs> like that. She has the ability to bring to bear. It's yeah, fair play. M. Jones gets in touch. He says, Josh, how about Reese Shellard getting Aberdeer RFC to the cup final at the Principality on the 8th of April? Fair Is that play. high in your consciousness? The uh, success of Aberdeer RFC? Not massively, obviously. <laughs> well, good, good luck to them. Good luck to Aberdeer. Good luck to my hometown club. Well, not really my hometown club. I'm from Kundair, but you know. Oh, okay. I love that. I love, I love the, well, the, the, the granular detail of where people are from in Wales. <laughs> Cracks me up. <laughs> Phil Jones says that good is Leicester versus Bristol on Saturday. A walking try for Ben Youngs for the 10-metre line in the first half. Pollard throwing an interception pass for a Bristol try in the second half, followed by a 30-minute masterclass, including catching his own kick to score under the post. Who says the Tigers can't play unserious rugby? Maybe that's the secret, Phil, for, for the future. Maybe Get a bit more unserious in your life. It probably isn't. Please don't take this. Don't take this time. Ollie White says, good attending a school event in Ustard Munich with the Dragons for multiple schools for children with additional learning. Ab had took the time to talk to and give signatures to all the kids. Rob Evans oh. spent his time letting kids sign his forehead. Well, sorry, he spent his time signing kids' forehead. Also, at the end of the day, touch game, I 100% did not show off in front of the player by diving in for a, diving in for and catching away with pass to score a try. Nicely <laughs> done, Ollie. Indeed. And this is what people always kick off about, you know, dragons don't win games, so they should stop having all this community. You know, football clubs should be focusing on blah, 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 blah. it's like, no, fuck off. Bollocks, isn't it? Football clubs are about, uh, and I will say football club like a rugby because rugby club is a football yeah. club, are an enormous, yeah. enormous community asset, and they should never, ever, ever forget that's what they are. Yeah, they they are there for the to serve their communities first and foremost. I agree, yeah. Because look at Coventry and Coventry now, right? Sorry, yeah. yeah, you know. If you look at Worcester, sorry, they are out there, but they'll still be a community club serving their community. That won't, you know, the success sure. comes yeah. and goes, but the rest of it sticks there anyway. I could go on. Joe Toring says, "Good is Caden Murley putting his international case forward as directly as possible by going through or over Max Mailings at every opportunity of the weekend." <laughs> That was a chastening day for Max Williams yeah. in a lot of ways. Pierce Massey says that good is Ben O'Barno's post-match interview. Refreshingly normal, upbeat and devoid of the usual cliches. However, he says shit is the usual premiership hype from BT. The season's been underwhelming. Three unenjoyable teams. 
Uh, and now they're just running a massive narrative line about who's going to get third or fourth. because <laughs> And it's tedious because no one really cares. Yeah. Very I much. mean, yeah, this has been a really, like, in terms of, like, good teams in the Premiership, like, it's like Saracens are a good team. Sailor are a good team. Leicester a good occasion. team. Yeah. Well, they've had some. They've had quite a bit of disruption, to be fair yeah. to them. But uh... they're in third. They're in third. I fucking London Irish are in fourth. Eesh. Like my like... in-laws support London Irish, so I've got quite a soft spot for them. I, I hate the fact that they're ruining everything. It is a shame, <laughs> but, isn't it? They, they should be a really, really likable club, and they've ruined it. But like everywhere from basically third down to the bottom of the table. Are just incredibly flawed teams. In one but I remember you saying at the beginning, after a few games at the beginning of the season, how fundamentally you weren't saying on serious then, but how all these games were just they were bonkers to watch. But it, it was bad portent for what was coming, you know, just everywhere and no nailing anything yeah. down, you know. I mean, what is consistent is that Bath are terrible, apart from this weekend. Yeah, where they can put, you know. An absolute shooing on a team that was aspirations for playoffs, and you know we said it last well, a couple of weeks ago. You know Bristol were bottom of the table a month ago, and you know if they'd have won on Saturday, they'd have been you know within points of fourth. It's with six months of the season down, madness. Yeah, you know we're eighteen games into this season, and there's only a couple of games left, and none of these teams, except for Saracen, like literally. I would be, it would be one of the upsets of the century if Saracens don't win the Premiership this year because every other team, even Sale, is so fundamentally fucking flawed. Like, Saracens have qualified for the playoffs already with the home quarter final. Like, they qualified like two weeks ago. That shouldn't be out. Like, you shouldn't be like top of the table and untouchable with like five rounds to go. But that's where we are. Dan Shear says is that good is Sarah Hunter deserves to be in the top echelon of all time greats and not just for Indeed. women. Absolutely, Dan. Yeah. Alex Thompson gets in touch. So says good is Glasgow. Yeah. So we did forgot to mention that the weekend, didn't we? To do that to Munster with so many of our first 15 away was special. Dark horses in the Irk this year. And she'll be aiming to win the Challenge Cup. Yeah. Yeah. No. No disagreement. And then finally, Dave Price says, "Good." Well, it's finally from this. You might have one, but finally, is Dave Price. He said, "Good is Wales women." That first half was outstanding, and Cecilia Tuapalotti was absolutely outstanding. Yes, beast. Yeah. Have you got anything else before we draw this nah. thing to a close? Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much, Josh. It's good to be back. Um, I'm off to go Pleasure. put an ointment on my chest, <laughs> and I will speak to the rest of you all next week, no doubt. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.